God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain sect. So, we've been talking about the body, right? And how that we have been placed together by God so that we can function together in our diverse capacities for the sake of the kingdom. Last week, Sunday, I was sharing with us concerning loving the brethren. Loving the brethren and what it means to love the brethren, and why in particular we must love the brethren. Hallelujah. And on Thursday, I spoke a bit about corporate prayer, which is still part of what we are considering. Amen. All right. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of gifts. Now, the word gift there is endowment. Endowment. And in this case, or in this context, then it is spiritual endowment. Okay? There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administration that is service. So it follows on from there that anyone that is endowed is endowed to serve. Hallelujah. So in the capacities that we serve, there are differences. Amen. So there are diversities of administrations. The administration there is service. But the same Lord, and there are diversities of oppression and the jail, activity which has to do with producing an outcome hallelujah so when we're young we're thinking was that there are some people that have gifts some people have administrations and some people have workings no i see it as a progression okay and any person that is endowed spiritually is endowed to serve jana sanda and that is administration and anybody that is endowed to serve is endowed to produce an outcome. Hallelujah. And that is the final part, which is what? Operations. Amen. So together. Amen. So it means that there are diversities. It means that in terms of what God seeks to achieve, there are various gifts, various services, and various operations that must come together to produce what God wants to produce. And Paul is saying that that is how we are. We are diverse in this manner. So, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. So it means that 
whatever ability that the Spirit of God places in a man, okay, or that the Spirit of God allows a man to operate in, it is for the profit of the common good. Amen. It is not to be seen in terms of the person's own profit, but for the profit of everybody. And that's important. It means that your brother is for your profit. You understand that? But it is not your responsibility to think of your brother as your profit. It is your responsibility to think of yourself as your brother's profit. You understand that? And this is important. Not too long ago, someone was very blessed by, I think, last week's message, which was about loving the brethren. So the person texted me that she gets it and that now she's trying to open up to the brethren because she has kept herself away from the brethren. So in the message, she now understands the benefit of the brethren. So she's trying to now get close to some people. You get it? So she was asking me how she should do it, how she should go about it. And I told her that she should go and rather consider how she's going to be a blessing to the people. Do you see? So if you are trying to get close, she was thinking that she feels like she will benefit from the impact of the brethren. You understand that? Uh, but I was like, no, you go and impact their lives. She said, wow, this helps, right? And I realized that it's very easy to think about things differently, especially when it comes to meet us in a certain situation. So, for example, what I shared last week, when it comes to meet you in a certain situation, you may think of all the benefits you should be getting from the brethren that you are not getting. Do you understand that? Yeah, because maybe when it came, you were just in that mental frame. So that's your thinking. Meanwhile, the focus of the message was in the fact that you should love your brethren. Do you understand that? So you, how do you love your brethren? Not how will your brethren love you. Hallelujah. Yeah, so you are supposed to be for your brother's profit. And whatever God blesses you with, whatever gift. And when I say gift, I mean gift because it is important for us also not to misconstrue natural capabilities as the spiritual gift that we are talking about. The reason why it is spiritual gift is that it is operated by a certain faith that comes from God. And I'm sure we'll understand it. It is operated by a certain faith that is because you have had a spiritual experience. Without that faith, it's not possible to operate in that gift. Amen. But the point here is that it is for the profit of others. And this is something that is necessary for us to consider. Because at times we speak about the effort we must make in spiritual things. We speak about the effort we must make in consecration and how that in that part of consecration, we identify our unique vessels as it is before the Lord and the Lord is able to function through us. When we think about these things, what normally we do not realize is the fact that 
It is not for your sake. Your consecration efforts are not for your sake. Oh, of course, because you are being consecrated, of course, there's benefit in it for you. But spiritual benefit is such that it is a benefit that is found in you being for the sake of others. That's spiritual benefit. You understand that? So spiritual benefit is not an isolated blessing. No, it is a blessing that is found in the fact that you are for the sake of others. So Jesus said that for their sake, I sanctify myself. And Jesus is an example of how every man must be. Hallelujah. So we talk of sanctification, right? Which is consecration, holiness. Separating yourself unto God and from what is evil so that God may find in you a dwelling place. When we talk about sanctification, Jesus said that for their sake, I sanctify myself. And that is how you should also think. That for their sake, for the sake of the brethren, for the sake of the lives that I have been called to touch according to my unique vessel, I sanctify myself. Tell your neighbor, we are waiting for you. Yeah, so when you are negotiating away your sanctification, remember us, tell your neighbor. Hallelujah. And that's the point that I was making last week that when we talk of love for the brethren, we are talking about the kingdom of God and what each brethren has been called to contribute to the kingdom. And it is because we love the kingdom, that is why we love the brethren. This is important. I thought you can hear the message and you misunderstand it. It is because we love the kingdom, that is why we love the brethren. So our love for the brethren is within the context of the kingdom of God, what God has called them to be in his kingdom. It is within the context of what God has called them to be in his kingdom. That is the nature of our love for the brethren. Amen. And so if then the brethren have been called on to sanctification, then it has to do with what it is that they can become for the profit of others should they separate themselves from the world and give themselves unto God. Amen. That is why your sanctification concerns me. Because your sanctification is what will make you useful to the kingdom. That's what will make the gift of God operational in you for the advancement of what God is trying to do. Your sanctification. For their sake, I sanctify myself that they also might be what? Sanctified through the truth. You wonder. The idea is that it is by the truth that they will be sanctified. But Jesus is saying that his own sanctification is what will make the sanctification of the people according to the truth possible. And it is the same with us. Because whatever gift that God calls us to operate in, that gift is bearing witness to the truth. Every gift is to bear witness to the truth. Just that the witness to the truth is done in diverse ways, depending on how God wants to touch the lives of people. But it is always a witness to the truth. Jesus told Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 37, that he said, for this cause was he born. Okay, this is the reason why he was born. This is why he has come into the world. That he may, uh, Pilate therefore said unto him, are thou a king then? Jesus said, thou sayest that I am a king. 
To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Now, this is also the calling of every man. That's the idea of having a unique vessel. Paul said that God separated him from his mother's womb. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. You see, when it pleased him, God, who separated him from his mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. So everybody is separated from the mother's womb. Hallelujah. It means that it is in your conception. When sex happened, you see, the sex part was in the hands of your parents, but the human being, the soul that came in there is in the hand of God. And that soul at conception is made in such a way that there will be a certain kind of vessel when they come into the world. That is a separation. Well, that is consecration unto a certain purpose. So if we are vessels, then we are vessels from the beginning. And our vessels were made special at conception. Hallelujah. Please you understand that. So every man who is made this way at conception is separated unto God at conception. When we were being formed, that was when we were separated. So our formation actually has to do with our uniqueness. And Jesus said that he came into the world to bear witness of the truth. It means that every man who is separated unto God, which is the case with every man, has been separated to bear witness of the truth in a certain way. Because a vessel contains, right? It is meant to contain. Now, the one that contains something is the one that bears witness to that thing. Hallelujah. So you were separated from your mother's womb. But you know, you don't believe it. Do you know why you don't believe it? It is because you lack consecration. You lack consecration. You see, even though consecration is said that then God will be able to dwell in us, consecration also helps us to see the fact that we were separated from our mother's womb. The more you walk in consecration, the more you become conscious of the reality that you were chosen even before you could say Jack. That is a realization that comes to any man that walks in consecration. But if you don't, even if we tell you that you are separated from your mother's womb, you look at yourself and you say, no, I was not separated from my mother's I'm not trying to be separated. Hallelujah. But like I always say, if God allowed you to be born, if God allowed you to be born, then it means that you were made for a purpose. Other than that, you will not be here. Hallelujah. And your uniqueness is so that you may bear witness to the truth in a certain way. So your work is to identify yourself in this wise through the process of consecration. Identification in the Lord is through the process of consecration. Why? Because the thing about identification is that it can be related to how gold initially has a lot of impurities in it. And at times, the impurities can be so much, like those that do galamsey. What they, they do, they gather a lot of soil, right? But inside the soil is the gold. Do you get it? But because the debt is a lot, or the soil is a lot, when you see normally, it is soil that you see, right? Uh -huh. So if we tell you at that time that there is gold inside the soil, you will not believe. Is that okay? 
But what do they do? They wash it eh, and they do all the things that they'll do. Then finally, the gold is able to come out. Now, that is how it is. If you don't recognize your identity, if you don't see the uniqueness of your vessel, it means that there are many impurities that are covering it. And your work is not to create another vessel, but to deal with the impurities, to deal with the debt that covers it. That's why your discovery in terms of the identity of your vessel is connected to your consecration, your separation from the world, your separation from evil, your separation from that which is against the Lord. It is connected to that. The more you work in consecration, the more you identify the nature of your vessel. And the more you easily accept that God separated you from your mother's womb. But whether you accept it or not, you were separated from your mother's womb. Hallelujah. And you were born to bear witness to the truth. That's what it means when the Bible says we were born for the glory of God. The glory is the manifestation of the truth. So when truth is born witness of, uh, what we have is glory. So how many of you believe that you are made for the glory of God? Yeah, it means that you were made to bear witness to the truth. And that's what Jesus is telling Pilate. That this is the reason why he was born. And this is the reason why you were also born. And the interesting thing is that it means that you were separated in your mother's womb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're separated in your mother's womb. And your consecration is to allow you to discover this vessel. God knows the vessel, but you must discover the vessel so that God can operate through you. Hallelujah. So every ability that God will place in us according to the uniqueness of our vessel is for the profit of others. It's for the profit of the brethren. It's for the profit of his kingdom. All right. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of Spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worked by one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Hallelujah. Dividing to every man. Last week we learned that we have drank into that same spirit, isn't it? But we have drank according to the diversity of our vessels. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is what? Christ. All right. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. See, today my message is that you need to find yourself so that the kingdom of God can benefit from you, so that your brethren can benefit from you. Hallelujah. And a lot of effort must go into your consecration so that your brethren can benefit from you. And if you are spiritual enough, you realize that the more you give yourself to consecration, the more beneficial you become to the brethren. You will actually find that God keeps coming to you. 
now for the sake of the brethren. But when you don't walk in consecration, it's as if God doesn't see you. Then you say God doesn't care about you, right? It is because you have so walked away from God that you are useless. Hallelujah. But the more you walk in consecration, the more you find that God keeps coming to you for the sake of the brethren. Do you see? Maybe you think that, okay, because I'm preaching to you, right, and I must walk in consecration, so I come to tell you what God told me to tell you, right? But what God asked me to do for your sake, it is not a special feature of my calling. That is the feature of the calling of every believer. Every believer is said that God is telling you to do something for the brethren. So if you find that God is not telling you anything, it is not because God has nothing to tell you. It is because you are wasting away. You are becoming useless. Because you understand that? The more you walk in consecration, the more you realize that God is always telling you something. Some of us, the furthest we go is our status. You are doing ministry on your status. And you think, no, no, please, please. Ministry on your status is not according to your unique verse. Or it is. Stop taking ministry on your status as ministry. Hallelujah. Anna, or I should let you be forever. No, don't do that. You see, I find that human beings, we are sad that when God instructs us, we like to take the barest minimum in the thing and use it to convince ourselves that we are obeying God. Meanwhile, there's so much we can do. To really obey God, you must cover every ground that is before you. You can't just do and tell you go and be there. No, if there is ground before you, you must cover it. That is a sign that you are truly obeying God. It's like the person that is asked to do something and does the barest minimum. And the things are there. Like those who used to sweep our hall when we were young. You sweep and your mother will come in under the chair. There's this thing, right? There's death there. At the time you lift the cushion. There's the, the, the conclusion that you didn't want to sweep. Just because if you really wanted to sweep and keep the room clean, it will be obvious to you that you have to clean under the chair as well. See? And that's how some of us are when it comes to spiritual things. Oh, listen to a message. Okay, one message a day. And you have been doing one message a day for the past four years. So anytime they study and say, listen to the message, it clocks in your head that you have been doing it. So, ah, message to people can't do it. Message to people can't do it, right? And it's because you think that you have been doing it, but you have not. You have just taken the barest minimum to do. That's why you are not seeing much. You are not seeing much. What do you think? Yeah. But if you want to go further, then you take the listening to the message to another level where it no longer is about satisfying the basic requirement, but you are looking for something. And now it is not one message a day is as many as you can devour. And at times it's not even about a message. It's about how you are understanding some things. Like it goes on from there. Well, that was the reason why you were asked to listen to the message a day. It is so that you can pick up some spiritual knowledge and begin to apply them to your life. And now discover that knowledge in that spirit. That's why you were asked. But if you don't take it, you take the barest minimum and then you stop there. Hallelujah. And that's what we may do when it comes to being useful to God. We may just take the barest minimum. Oh, I, I write a few things on my status. 
pre-status ministry is powerful. You understand that? But don't consecrate yourself, yourself to status ministry alone because there's so much ahead of you that you can do. Hallelujah. All right. So Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Hallelujah. So there's a way that um, you ought to think of yourself. Paul said, I don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Now that's important, right? Yeah, that's pride. But there's a way that you must also think of yourself. And that is according to the measure of faith that you have been dealt. And Paul is saying that every man has been dealt that measure of faith. Some people believe that when you are born again, you receive that measure of faith. But that's not it. That measure of faith is according to your unique vessel. Hallelujah. And the operations of that vessel. So it is not about whether you are born again, you get some faith. No, it is about the uniqueness of your vessel and the discovery of spiritual truth that fits that unique vessel. Amen. Remember, I told you that when it comes to this endowment, the uniqueness of it is with the faith with which we each operate that particular gift. So if God has called you in a certain way because of the uniqueness of your vessel, how you begin to operate in that way is the faith that you need to have. You need to have a certain kind of faith, a spiritual experience that produces in you a certain kind of faith to allow you to operate in that way. Do you understand that? And that faith is God-given through our consecration. We receive that faith. And Paul is saying that everybody should think of themselves according to this measure of faith they have received from God. In other words, think of yourself according to your calling and what it is that you have been called to do. Think of yourself according to the capabilities God has made available to you through the supply of his spirit that has produced in you this faith. You have to think of yourself that way. It means that you have to see that it is God that has made these abilities available to you. You don't think of yourself more highly means that you don't think that you are anything in yourself. But you need to think of yourself in a certain way, which has to do with the measure of faith that God has given. And everybody has their measure of faith. Hallelujah. Everybody has their measure of faith. The difference will be the discovery, whether you have discovered yours. Because if everybody has a unique vessel, then everybody will have a particular measure of faith by which you can operate that unique vessel. It's like driver and a driver's license, right? There's a license that qualifies you to drive maybe tipper track, right? And there's a license that qualifies you to drive a normal saloon car. Now, that license allows you to operate a certain machinery. Even when you go into the industry or factories, there are licenses that if you have, can operate a certain machinery. But if you don't have, you stay away from those machines. You understand that? Yeah. So now that license is your measure of faith that allows you to operate your vessel according to the will of God. That license is your measure of faith 
that allows you. So your vessel, in the way that it has been made by God, must be operated by God. You understand that? But God cannot enter you and operate your vessel like that. He operates your vessel through you. So you then must receive qualification from God with which you can now operate your vessel, your unique vessel, for the benefit of who? Everybody, isn't it? Yeah. Now, what you receive from God is the measure of faith. And you cannot come to that place where you discover the measure of faith without consecration. So I'm showing you why you must thoroughly give yourself to spiritual things and separate yourself from the things that are evil. Because in that, your uniqueness is identified by you. In that, the measure of faith that God gives to every man, you also come into contact with it. Then you can be useful to everybody. Amen. Those little, little uses that you want to call uses are not uses. Those uses, even an unspiritual man can perform. Like, yeah, look at yourself. If you say you're a Christian, uh, and the kind of uses you are bringing forth, even an unbeliever can bring forth those same uses. Then what is your use as a Christian? You understand that? So I'm not talking about, oh, you are just nice to somebody. So this is no. I'm talking about something you operate in according to the measure of faith. And remember, this faith is within. So there's a driving force within you that makes you able to perform the task or the uses in the way that it glorifies God. Hallelujah. An effort must be put into the process of coming to this measure of faith. And everybody must put in that effort. Otherwise, your contribution will be missing in the things that God is trying to do. At times you wonder what at all you can do, right? What at all can I do? And I'm saying that answer is at the other side of the consecration journey. When you get there, you see that you can do too much. Like some of you are saying that you want to do something, right? But you don't know what to do. I'm saying that the reason why you don't know what to do right, is because you lack consecration. You lack dedication to this discovery. You lack it. You don't believe. You see, anywhere that you think you must be assigned some work before you can find work, there's a problem. Hallelujah. There's a problem. You should not be assigned work. I mean, you should not be assigned work before you can find you see, as a person, before you can even have any particular portfolio in quotes, you should be up to something. You should be up to something. Hallelujah. Actually, to me, that is a qualification to enter post. When you are not doing anything, you don't qualify to have post. It's as simple as that. Because what will you be doing? The post is to allow you to discharge some duty. What duties were you discharging that now? The post is supposed to give you proper standing to discharge those duties. You don't need to be assigned any work by a man. Your work was already assigned you when you were born. Your duty is to discover it. And gee, the reason why I prefer, I know, I know that there is a system which many people run where everybody, everything has been 
scheduled for you, right? And divided for you, thinking, okay? So this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you do. Um, I know that that principle is there. But you see, those people who work like this, there is a reason why you have no respect for the might of the people who are serving in that way. Even though collectively, it seems to drive the organization forward. You have no respect for the individual members of that organization because they seem to lack a certain identity. You believe that they are robots. You get it. And it's because somebody seems to be driving them, driving their every move. Now, that can yield something. But this thing that I'm telling you can yield something greater than this. If every one of us can stand as a mighty man, as a mighty woman, bringing forth that which God separated them from their mother's womb to bring forth, what we will do, it cannot be told by men. What we'll do, it cannot be told by men. And our doctrine forbids us from approaching this thing that way, the way that is being approached out there. That is against what we believe. So this one is how we approach it. This one also means that we can rise to the extent that we each are able to appreciate this thing that I'm sharing with us. It means that if I keep telling us this and we don't take it on board and run with it, we remain where we are. Hallelujah. And I prefer it that way. I'm not saying I prefer that we remain where we are. I prefer that then if we won't go the right way, then we won't go. Do you understand that? But this is the way. When you begin to wake up to the uniqueness of your vessel, you find work. You will find work. You will find work. If there is no work, if there is no use, if you feel like you that there's nothing for you to do, it's a sign that that discovery has not been made. And therefore, your consecration is problematic. Jesus' declaration, listen, Jesus' declaration, you see, when you read the scriptures, you must read it according to principles. Jesus' declaration to any man that receives this kind of doctrine, listen, Jesus' declaration to any man who comes into contact with this kind of doctrine is that the harvest is indeed plenteous, but the laborers are few. You see, this statement is... An everlasting statement. You see, Jesus doesn't have to make it to you again. You enter a realm where now this statement becomes relevant to you. And this statement Jesus made to his disciples. Hallelujah. And you need to discover something in the Lord in order to find this statement relevant. Jesus' constant statement to anyone who discovers this doctrine and begins to live by it, is that the harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. So if the laborers are few and the harvest is plenteous, how can you say you don't have work? Do you see? So something, you can't go and tell Jesus. See if you can tell Jesus that you don't have work. You can't tell Jesus that. The problem is that you have not discovered it. And the reason why you have not discovered it is because of your consecration. The more you work in consecration, there's so much work, too much work, too much work to do. It will burden you day and night, too much. If we look at the lives you can touch, hey, 
too many lives. Too many, or they are not enough. Too many lives. If you are going to touch them well, you need to give yourself to the Lord in intercession, in praying for them to understand them. You need to study what the Lord brings to your attention. When you go praying, you need to prepare yourself to minister to them, each one of them. Hallelujah. If God were to bring prayer topics for you to pray concerning such people, you will find that your time is not enough. You see? But you don't see it that way. I don't know how you see it too. There's too much work to be done. Too much. Too much work to be done. Too much work to be done. Maybe the reason why we say we can't find work to do is that we really don't want to do much. We want to be that person that, you see how the companies that bottle the drinks, they do everything, and the last part that they put the, the cock on it, the cover. You want to be doing that one. Yeah, we are not the abortion. Yeah, we are not the, and I say, we are park park So they should do all the work. No, but if you really want to do some work, you'll find that there's so much to be done. There's so much. There's so much. There are people who also want to appear that they are working, but they are not. If that's how you are, then you also complain that there's not much to be done. But there's so much work to do. Have you tried praying for someone before? You never finish. It's like, you never finish. Anybody that even has started giving themselves to prayer, by now will have prayer areas. Do you understand that? Yeah, prayer areas. You say, actually, it's so holy, it's so holy, it's so holy. So now what happens? You are beginning to look for time to do something that is like, it's not that you are wasting the time. The time that you don't finish. You see, it's like always there's something that you are trying to do. So there's a lot of work. Amen. If you have not found that work, there's a problem with your consecration. Hallelujah. All right. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For us, we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same word office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts different according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to what? The proportion of faith. So you go back. The measure of faith. You understand that? So you prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So even when it comes to prophecy, okay, even when it comes to prophecy, According to the kind of faith God has given you in prophecy, you can prophesy in a certain way. Someone else cannot prophesy in your way. Do you understand? Someone else will prophesy in another way. But that uniqueness, we all need it. So we don't need just one person's prophecy. We need another vessel's prophecy according to the kind of faith that God has given to them. Some people, according to their kind of faith, they have access to certain 
revelations from the Lord. So you think that if somebody operates in the gift of prophecy, it means that he will have every revelation. No. Some people's revelation are skewed in a certain way. Some people's own to are skewed in a certain way. Some people's own to are skewed in a certain way. So even in the realm of revelation for our benefit, some people are able to discover some revelation, but they can't discover another because they don't have the faith that is fine-tuned for this other revelation that must be discovered. Please understand that. Even in this case, I do not speak about rank. I speak about simple revelation. Maybe in this room, on this floor, there are five doors, right? Someone may have revelation for one door, and that person will have faith for one door, and that person will open that door and will bring some revelation for our benefit. You understand that? And when we receive that revelation, or whoever benefits from that revelation, we may assume that then that is the revelation that is available. No. There are four other doors that must be opened. But the person who opened the first door does not have faith for the other doors because God has not given them faith for access. You get it? So it's like you don't have a key to open those other doors. But there will be another person if he or she has also given himself to consecration will now have faith for that other door. And another person will have faith for that other door. Another person will have faith for that other door. So even in terms of prophecy and the kind of revelation that we are able to have from God, there are diversities of such revelations. And there are diversities of faith or the measure of faith that is able to access these different revelations. Amen. Did you understand that? Yeah. Hmm. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorted on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. That's faking. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is what? Good. So according to the measure of faith, somebody can do this. Somebody can do that. Somebody can do that. Now, if somebody should bring us something and the person does not bring it, we miss out on it. You understand that? We miss out on it. We may try to extrapolate, right? But it is not the same when the specialist is bringing it out. And everybody was made to be a specialist. Everybody. You think that you are not because you have not discovered it. But everybody was made to be a specialist. And your work is not to be a specialist. Your work is to discover that faith that will make you that specialist. Because then in that discovery, God now is able to operate through you. How you come to that discovery is the path of consecration. For their sake, I sanctify myself so that they also might be sanctified by the truth. For their sake. Hallelujah. For their sake, I sanctify myself. That they also might be sanctified by the truth. There's something that I see in my heart. And I believe that God wants us to get there. But it is not something that I can force you to get. Otherwise, I would have done it. 
each of us must take this thing that I'm saying seriously in such a way that we will feel responsible for it. Otherwise, we will not bring what we have to bring. We will not bring what we have to bring. There's so much, last Thursday I was sharing with you, that even when it comes to our services and how when we meet the power of God that will be made available, we all have to contribute to it. See, the strength of the Spirit of God that is here, we all will have to contribute to it. One day, I was in a prayer meeting here, here. And we're praying, we're praying. And then I realized that, ah, I can't pray about that topic. Because if you are praying, you don't want to be a hypocrite where you are telling people to pray, but you there, you are not praying about that topic, right? Yeah. So as I'm leading the prayer meeting, then I try to also, I want to pray about that topic. But when I switch, it's like, it's not that you don't want to pray about that topic. It's like, why do you me hope? That is not the most important thing to you at the time. Please understand that. Does that make sense? That's not the most important thing to you at that time. So you seem not to be able to pray. So I was worried. Then the Lord told me that, yes, because that is the work of the one that is leading the prayer meeting. Not necessarily to pray the prayer talk, because that is not his worry. What he has been sent to do is to make sure that he imparts the spirit with which everybody else will pray. And if your mind is on that, it's difficult for your mind to be on the prayer topic. But you are worried about other things. Are they able to catch the right spirit with which they must pray? So me too, I'm doing something. Yes, Anna. Me too, I'm doing a work. So maybe if we came for prayer meeting, and then I'm thinking that my work as it is to stir you up to pray, and you also think that it is as I'm here with you, then I'm the main person praying. You see, you get it wrong. Well, you are supposed to be praying whilst I stay, you have to pray. In another context, I'll be praying this. That's why I must also have my own prayer closet where I pray some of these topics. But where I come and my responsibility is to help you, I worry about you. And it's part of what will allow God to flow through me. So at the same time, you find that my mind is not on the prayer. My mind is on helping you so that you can pray. Do you understand that? And in that, it means that I still care about the prayer topic. Does that make sense? But I'm caring about that prayer topic and I'm pushing that prayer topic in a different capacity. And I say, oh, wow, okay. Hallelujah. I know I've helped somebody here too. Now you too say, ah, okay, that's, that's how it works. So imagine we don't see things this way. You think that is somebody's responsibility alone. No. So even how, when we meet, the encounters we can have and how God can bless us, it is not in the hands of one person. To me, I must do something, but I'm convinced that what I have to do concerning our meeting is not enough to make sure that what God wants to release for us on a consistent basis comes to us in the way that it ought to come. We also must do something. Hallelujah. We also must do something. Every one of us must contribute to something. Every one of us. And Paul tried to put that message across in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. He said, how is it then, brethren? How is it then? When ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm had a doctrine, had a tongue, had a revelation, 
had an interpretation. Wow. Let all things be done unto what? Edifying. Ask your neighbor, what do you have? What have you labored to have? What have you labored to have? Now, you are not laboring to have something that is not yours. It is your birthright. Even though you can't totally believe it, know that you were separated in your mother's womb. You are already qualified by selection. Hallelujah. By selection. Everybody has been chosen by God to be of use. Right? The problem is that not everybody responds to God. Even those that are going to hell, they were chosen to come and function in God. I told you that many people, for instance, that are even fetish and, and they are into these witchcraft and things like that. A lot of them were called to be prophets. But the vessel is said that if the enemy takes hold of it, it can be used also as a vessel unto this honor. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah. We are called to be prophets. Everybody, what they are doing in the enemy's camp, you can easily see. That's why at times you can easily observe the evils people are bent on doing. They are kind of evil that they like to understand what they could be doing if they could give themselves to God. Hallelujah. Because normally the enemy is into perversions. The enemy is into perversions. So when you see a perverted thing, you see that, okay, then there's the original state, and that is the one that God made. So everybody was made to be something, including those that are in hell. The problem is that they walked away from God, and therefore their vessels have been perverted. But every one of us, if indeed we claim to be with God, if we claim to have come to God, then God expects to operate in us in a certain way. So the Bible calls us the temples of God, right? Right? Yeah. We are meant for God to dwell in us in a special way. And to show the diversity of this dwelling, we are called the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We are called the body of Christ. What will you do? What will you do? Because you are needed. Hallelujah. You are needed. You are needed. And that's how you should think of your brother too. That your brother may come to their full potential. If there is anything you can contribute to your brother, for them to come to the realization of what it is they've been called to do, for them to stand before God as a vessel, that is how you love your brother. She last week talked about loving your brother, right? That's how you love the brethren. To contribute to they being useful. To do whatever it takes for them to stand before God so that God can operate through them. What will you do? What will you do? I will you continue to walk around and deal as though there's nothing that you are expected to become? Meanwhile, the length of our lives in this world is so that we can make this discovery through the process of consecration. So that we can make this discovery. We can identify our vessels through consecration so we can offer something to the kingdom.
And this uniqueness of our vessels is even to eternity. So what you start here, you continue after you die. Hallelujah. You have been assigned a work to eternity. A role. You have a role in God's kingdom to eternity. If you start here and you find yourself, you are going to operate in that role to eternity. When you die, it will be a higher form of it, but you see that it's the same spirit. In the same way, too, if you rebel against God, you are going to work against God to eternity. That's what the devils do, right? They are working against God constantly to eternity. They are not ending it now. One of the main things that sin does is to keep us from believing. This thing that Paul said that everybody must see themselves according to how God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Sin keeps us from believing this thing. Sin is a destroyer of faith. Sin makes you believe that you are not worth much in God's sight. No matter what you do, sin will make you believe that. 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 No matter what you do. If you give yourself to evil and the pursuit of evil, as again is the pursuit of God. If you give yourself to the love for the world, the love for the honor of men, right? You will never be able to believe that you are important to God. Sin will make you believe that you are useless to God. That God doesn't see you. Because you are not worth it. You are not worth it. You are not worth it. You will never feel like when you even go and pray, why would God respond to you? Why would God respond to you? Sin will, will not allow you to believe that God will even respond to you. So anybody that allows sin to take over will have a spiritual low self-esteem. You will have it. You have it. Some people mask it in different ways, but you find that it is there. Sin is not just to lead you to do bad things. It will make you hide from God. You will hide. Why did you hide? Because when we heard you coming and we were naked. So we decided to hide. Sin will make you hide. It will make you hide yourself. Feeling unworthy. See, that feeling of unworthiness, you can't remove it while sin is there. Some people try, but you, all that you have is a seared conscience, but you will not be able to remove it. That feeling of being unworthy, sin will not let you remove it from there. And some of you, sin will also trick you into thinking that the feeling of unworthiness is just because you are doing wrong things. And because you do these wrong things, you are unworthy. You see, sin will trick you into doing that. So you will think that then the only way you'll be worthy is if you stop doing the sins that you are doing. You will think that the reason why you will be worthy or the only way you'll be worthy is if you stop doing these sins or these evils. If you stop allowing this love for the world and all these things to lead you, then you'll be worthy. But it's not true. 
That also is not true. That also is not true. You are precious to God without anything, without any of this is being called into play. But the only way you can see it is if your blindness is removed. And it is sin that makes you blind. So it is not that you make yourself with God. See me, I've not done a bad thing today. You know. Our not doing a bad thing is so that we can come and see what is already the case. Without it, we can't see it. We can't see it. Like without consecration, you can't see that you are called. You can't say you are special. You can't believe it. No, you are. Consecration allows you to see it. But the enemy will convince you that it is when you turn away from evil that by it, God said that you are now worthy. And so is that because you have now turned away from evil, then you have become worthy of God. No. You are already worthy of God, but you can't see it. God already loves you. God already sees you as a special vessel. But the only problem is that you can't see it. And because you can't see it, God cannot work with you. The reason why you can't see that your vessel is smart and that mind of the vessel, it blinds you. So you can't see. But then he will convince you. He will convince you that you are not worthy and will give you the reason why you are not worthy. Meanwhile, that's not the reason. And because you are not ready to let the world go, listen, because you are not ready to let the world go, that reason will forever keep you in bondage, which is that you have not stopped these sins and because of that, you are not worthy to God. And proof, anybody that decides to then turn away from evils, Start by believing that because they have turned away from evils, now they are worthy. Everybody starts by believing that way. It shows you what the devil was teaching you before. Listen to this. So you find that when you try turning away from evil, you feel now that you are confident to pray to God. And when you want to feel that confident, you refer to how you have not done A and B and C for the past how many days. Right? That's your strength. But that shouldn't be your strength. But it's because of what you were taught by the enemy that this is the reason why you are not worthy because of these evils. Well, you are already worthy, but these evils rather prevent you from seeing. So in turning away from evils, what we say you must come and see is that revelation that you may make contact with God. God will begin to teach you anew. And that's where you discover yourself as you have already been. That's how it works. In order to feel strong in the sight of God, you always have to make reference to some good deed you have done or some evil deed you didn't do. Right? No. The only reference is God. The only re if your reference can be God and the way he sees you and the way his will for you and order, if your reference can't be God, it means that you are not there yet. You are fighting. That's why you fight to overcome evils, but you are still not overcoming. It's like inside is not changing. Outside, you are putting outside in order, but it should have reflected in the inside changing. The inner changes in your heart, but it's not reflected. You are not doing it well. You are not doing it well. Look at me, Lord, I didn't do A, B, and C, so you should love me now. No, God's love for you, you don't stir up God to love you, right? See, this is how the message is. And people not understanding this go into the new creation mentality and say, oh, then God loves you automatically. It doesn't matter what you're doing. But God loves even those that are in hell. And in their minds, they are his prized possession. But they have gone into the eternal abyss. In his mind, they are his prized because he made them. But they've gone into the abyss. So the problem is not that God loves you. The problem is how you are able to come and see it. 
Because when your eyes start opening to it, then you give yourself. But how will you see except you turn away from evil? So sin will destroy your confidence before God. Not a confidence born out of the fact that you have done something right, but born out of the fact that God thinks a certain way about you and sees you in a certain light and loves you. Say, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You say, he's in perpetual endeavor to help you. He's always trying to move towards you. These things, you can't even understand it well when you, you remain in evils. You can't see it. You can't see it. So you pray. You can't pray because you don't even think when you pray, God will hear. Right? Then if it seems like God hears somebody, the enemy will be there to convince you that it's because God likes this person but doesn't like you. Right? You know, it's not the case. God likes everybody. In the same measure, God does. The difference is the discovery. So there's so much to find that will boost your confidence and will make you think of yourself according to the measure of faith. But if we don't go to find it, when we are there, you are the ones that have been called by God and you are the special ones and we are not anything. Nobody is anything, you see. It is a discovery, you understand? In God. And you, your problem is that you have not made your own discovery. You have not done what it takes to come to that place of discovery. That's your problem. But the moment you begin to discover through the path of consecration and the Spirit of God begins to take hold in you, you realize that, wow, wow, you are made for something great. You are made for something great. The enemy is really bad. He will lead you into that evil, and by that same evil, slay you. And make you incapacitated. So that you sit there, going up and down like you did. There's nothing that God is counting on you for. As if God gives us things to do when we decide to be correct. No, God gave you when you were born. Not when you decided to be correct. When you decided to be correct, you started discovering. But it was given, it was put inside, it was an investment that God made into you when you were conceived. An investment. It means that he has hopes. God is the most hopeful person in this world. <laughs> and you have to understand the context within which God operates. The same person that God is making hopefully, the same God knows who will respond and who will not respond. So those that go to hell, God knew they would go to hell because he knows the future, right? But his love in the present cannot stop him from making any man with the potential of serving him. Do you see? He cannot but make every man with the potential. Some of you, maybe you feel like you've gone too something, you've gone too far, you've gone too backwards, you've gone too forward, you've gone too down or too up, wherever. The investment is already there. <laughs> Do you understand that? 
The investment is already, you have made, you have formed in your mother's womb to be something unto God. Paul said God separated him when he was in his mother's womb. And every one of us is the same calling. Is the same calling. Every one of us. Is the same calling. So whichever direction you think you've gone to, uh, you are still the person God made. You have to make your journey back. And God puts it clearly when he spoke about the prodigal son. I will return to where? My father's house. I will return. I will return. And to show you the posture of the Lord, that the father always stood there waiting for the son. That's the Lord's posture. That's the Lord's posture. Ooh. I can't wait for the mighty men and women to arise. Like really, what you can be. But you have to start. You see, the thing about the kingdom, somebody can believe for you after, but if you don't quickly enter and begin to see for yourself, you even doubt that hey, this thing that a person said about me. You know, you understand? But you also have to come in. And I, at times I see some of you, I see that your confidence is dwindling. It's like something is shifting and it's not positive. And it's because you are not finding yourself in God as quickly as you should. When I met you, there was fire in your eyes. But that fire was born from your early spiritual experience, which as an experience when you had, when you had not started exercising free will properly. See? So there was some fire, but that fire is going. And it's because you have not found yourself. There was a certain reckless confidence that you had. It was not arrogance, but some, you felt like you have been called to do something for God. And what you have been called to do, it matters. But you must get it back. And it's a true consequence. You can't do anything about it. You must give up the world. You must get, without that, you can't find these things. So I feel like something, even with the fire in your eyes, it's like it's going down. The world is convincing you day by day. Convincing you day by day. That fire is going. That fire is going down. And you must arrest it. Hallelujah. Must arrest it. Must arrest it. Must arrest it. And that's what I know of myself. According to the measure of faith. You can be anything. It can be better than me, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I know the other son. Yeah. It's not even enough. We are still finding, right? But at least we know something now. That's why I can be comfortable, right, in the world. How can you be comfortable in the world? Well, be better before you say, hey, I don't have this thing. Hey, my life is not this thing. Hey, my natural this thing is, hey. You cash out from ATM, they give you this say 206 Ghana cities. <laughs> you enter into depression for the next three weeks. It's not it's 206. Abba bra for how long? But can be school how many years in it? 10 years, university. 206. I'm not saying that's what it is, but let's say if it's university, 10 years, 
206 Ghana cities. The six is just for you to be realistic. You know? <laughs> 206. Where is your confidence in this life? Yes, except you have seen something. God, you are useless. You are irrelevant. But what if you have found yourself in God? Then you can actually see, say, the irony of it. What's your problem? You think I'm not going, but I actually feel sorry for you too because I don't know how you are living your life and what it is that you think you are doing. Do you see? You see, when people tell you what they think of you, you have to also tell them what you think of them. They make you more, you get it. I think you are lost. I think you are, you are heretic. I said, oh, I also actually think you are lost. And I also think you are also preaching heresy. Just, I love you. That's why I'm still with you. You done now, you think I'm preaching heresy. Will you leave me? Yes, sir. Somebody said, the world has become said that those who must be quarantined are allowed, are allowed to be moving about. And those that must be allowed to move about are being quarantined. What do you think? <laughs> it's a quarantine part that got me. Hallelujah. Yeah. Somebody didn't hail you, right? It's quickly affecting you. You're losing confidence because you are not healed, but you have not found yourself. Do you see? You have not found yourself. You know, like as I'm talking to you, like, you see, I, I can stand in jeopardy of fearing, okay? Whether you even think what I'm saying makes sense, right? I found something. Do you see? If you tell me what I'm saying doesn't make sense, you know, do you know what I do? I pity you. I feel very sorry for you that you can't see it. That's the best you get out of me. Yes, so you think maybe you will trigger me, right, by trying to show that maybe what I'm saying it doesn't make sense. No, I also actually feel like what you're also saying doesn't make sense. Do you see? So what will you do? Nothing. So I can now comfortably preach to you. Do you see? Because I know what I've seen. If you don't see it, I'll wait for you. We'll give you one year, two years, ten years, I will be here waiting for you to. And in those days, you can think that I'm not sensible. I don't know what I'm talking about. For 20 years, and I, I can actually allow you to think that way. Do you know why? Because I don't need you to actually be accepting of what I'm saying. In order for me to be confident about it. So I don't derive my self-esteem from you. Do you understand? If I did, then I must. Hey, why don't you believe? Why don't you believe? By force, by force, believe. So I'll get something from it. But I don't get anything from it. If I don't get something from it, then I can be patient with you. But maybe you need to jump the first hurdle before you can see one. So I'll be patient with you to jump the first hurdle. That's how you can be patient with people when you are teaching them. If you derive anything from they receiving what you are teaching, like you want to see that you are about something, right? Like your life is worth something because now when you teach people receive from you, you are in trouble. Your life is about something because you have met God. God has told you something. And then what he has told you, you are doing it. That's all. Hey, now can we have prophets now? They will not believe. Like some prophet preached 
And you think of the effect of your life or the, how you have done well is in that the people responded. But some of the people, when God sent them, the people were not going to believe. So they preached. The people looked at them, useless man. And they kept on preaching. Ah, Ten years, you are still here. Find something to do. Find something to do. You are still declaring this thing. If God was talking to you, don't you think we would have agreed with you? Find something to do. And then they kept on preaching. So it wasn't like they were even vindicated. Yes, and then they finished preaching and died and went. And the people kept on feeling what in their history was written as some, some AD or BC or whatever. This man came and said some foolish things. Thank God none of us minded him. That's what is in the history. But before God, he has done a great work. What do you think? So this man, I'm sure, God, what is my use cry? But, but God is saying, yeah, this is it. Well, that's where it stops. Your usefulness stops you getting to do what God has called you to do and you doing it in the way God wants you to do it. Finished. That's all. Somebody wrote a mistake. When your work doesn't yield results, nobody will believe you worked. Right? But you must believe you worked. Finished. The Hebrew writer said, all these died in faith, not having obtained a promise. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> like, like some of the people that don't believe in what you are sharing, they look at it and say, we are a small church. Look, I'm willing to do this in the right way and die, and we are still a small church. Do you understand that? Do you know why? Because the worth, you know, it is in this thing that I've explained to you. Do you understand that? If you do well, it is not determined by whether you were accepted or not. That's not how it is determined. Of course, it's not going to happen. At least I've seen things. Hallelujah. So we are going to explode. That's why I'm telling you these things. Hallelujah. It's coming. Amen. Hmm. But you have to be like that. Otherwise, you are in trouble. You see, it's something that I see and I wonder how a person can live, right? without God and those. How will you survive? When we even cough, you shake. When we laugh, you wonder why they laughed. When they don't laugh, you wonder why they didn't laugh. Then when they deal with you badly, you are dead. Because your problem is that nobody laughs you. Hey, how did this become a problem? Or is it a problem? Oh, human beings were made to be laughed. <laughs> <Human beings. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I see in your eyes, I realize that your confidence in God is, is not much. You see. I know if you get, if God were just to appear before you and tell you, hey, you are so important to me. You are so this, you are so this, right? Ella, then you rise up and say, yes, right? You know, God didn't do that for me. I wish for it. I said, God, if you, if you be honest, God, as I'm going to sleep, today is the day that you must come, right? You wake up and check if God came. No God, right? But you don't need that. 
You need to start working towards God. You need to start letting go of the world. But what is blinding you is the wealth. The more the world goes, the more you begin to see. And when you see, you want to see more, right? Yeah. So you, you want to let go more. Then you see more. Then you see more. Then your confidence will increase more and more. Confidence will increase more and more. So if I see that I lack confidence for something in God, I know where the problem is. You understand? So we go there. We go there. And now see, see that wish that you could explode for God, you see. And that other feeling also that does God even want you, you see. That second one is not correct. It's a blindness. But you know how you get to see that God really wants you? When you walk the path of consecration, you see it. You see it. No other way. You see, if God should stand before you and tell you, you will not believe. Oh, try me, God. Try me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what you are saying. God should just try you. Say, Pastor, be here. I will believe. <laughs> no, you won't. Well, that message will only be for your external. But this thing that you need, right? See, a message for your external, that's what will happen. With time, it will lose its effect on you. That's why people can have some dream. They say, hell, 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 hell. Give them some few days. The same person will be back to their usual life. Because that one is the glory of the Old Testament, right? The glory that the Bible says, it passes away. You see? But there's a glory that does not pass away. It's inside. It's a revelation of the spirit. That one, you don't need God to appear before you and talk to you. He needs to appear on the inside. You need to make contact with the spirit. That one is stronger. It doesn't go away. It stays with you forever. He said the comforter will abide with you forever. This one doesn't go away. So you think so. But you will only have this strong effect on you for some three days, four days. Afterwards, it will only be a memory. It will only be a memory. And we have all seen some before. We have all seen some before. Hallelujah. 